Hello and welcome to the Swedish edition of the Anfield Index podcast. My name is Robin Fredriksson and I'll be your host this evening. In the panel I have three friends from Sweden, Mattias Andersson, Mattias Karlsson and Eric. I'll give you them all a chance to introduce themselves in a minute. Like I said, my name is Robin Fredriksson and I'm a 23-year-old Liverpool fan from Stockholm in Sweden. Moving over to the rest of the gang. I'll start with Eric. Who yeah. are you? Uh, I'm an 18-year-old uh, fan that lives in a smaller town that is quite close to Gothenburg. And I've been supporting Liverpool for quite some time, despite my young age. Aren't you 19 years old? No, 18. <laughs> you have told us 19 before. Oh, I did? Yeah. Oh, oh well. Maybe you were 18 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Okay, the next ones. Matthias Andersen, who are you? Yeah, I'm a 42-year-old guy. Family father, four kids, three boys, one new baby girl, two months old. I've been supporting Liverpool for over 30 years. Matthias Carlsen? Yeah, I'm a 37-year-old from Karlstad in Värmland. And I've been supporting Liverpool since, well, 87. So it's like 27 years, I guess. That's nice. Eric, how did you discover Liverpool and why did you start to support them? Well, when I was uh, younger, I wasn't really into football that much. I sort of had other activities during the day. Uh, But uh, when I was about to begin football, I sort of got a couple of posters. uh, And it was a Juventus poster and a Liverpool poster. Uh, And they also have had a Michael Owen kit uh, at my house for, not sure, like since before I can remember, I got it from my grandparents when they were to Bar- Barcelona, I think. It's a fake Michael Owen kit from 0304, I think. So, you know, Liverpool has always been sort of a reference, but it's never, but it wasn't sort of a special moment. It was just that I found a poster, and, you know, when you start playing football, you sort of have to choose a team, and Liverpool was the most relevant at the time, it seemed. The only reason I had Juventus was because of Ibrahimovic. So... Uh, yeah, I've been supporting them for, not sure, maybe eight years right now. So, yeah, that's pretty my story. You know, it wasn't something special. It was just something that came, and ever since then, my passion has grown. And it usually is the way that your your dad teaches you who to support. But for me, it was the other way around. I started to get interested in the club, start streaming games of a very, very old and poor computer, and, you know, my dad got interested because he always had a huge interest in sport, but he never supported a particular team like that. So he sort of got interested and asked me what I was watching, and I told him I watched Liverpool. So ever since then, he also been a massive fan of the club. So, yeah, that's my story. The point by Michael Owen is quite interesting. I've, I've spoken to a lot of Liverpool fans in the same age as me who tell me they started supporting Liverpool because they liked Michael Owen as a kid and pretty ironic because I think these days nobody likes Michael Owen no 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 No, my story is actually pretty simple really my my father always supported Liverpool and over the years my interest has grown as I've gotten older and yeah that's just this simple short story really and he's a product of the old uh, tips extra generation as we call it here in Sweden when um, the Swedish television started broadcasting English football in the late 60s to the mid-90s, basically, when they showed one one or two, I can't remember exactly, but one or two English games a week. And 
as we know, Liverpool were pretty dominant in the 70s and 80s, and they often showed Liverpool on the television, and that sort of became... It sort of made many Liverpool... made many Swedes support Liverpool because they were always on the television and they were playing very good football and always winning and the interest in Liverpool started to grow in Sweden and I think that's how our both Matthias's started supporting the club as well or at least it's related to that um, Matthias Andersson uh, do you want to tell us your story? Yeah, well, you you basically told it already <laughs> it's, it's uh, to- uh, totally connected to, to Tips Extra it uh, it was one game a week on Saturdays at four o'clock. So, um, but like Eric, for me, I didn't get anything from my father. It was an interest that grew from the TV show. And like you said, Liverpool were huge back then. Started really getting successful in the in the seventies and into the eighties. So, more often than not, Liverpool was one of the teams that they showed on the Tips Extra show. So that's really where really where it started, and then it. it Grew from there with, I got some Liverpool merchandise for my, I think, fifth birthday. So there was no looking back from there. Interesting. Matthias Carlsen, what's your story? Yeah, it's basically the same for me. Uh, growing up, uh, watching Tips Extra with uh, my dad. But my dad didn't have any special team. But we usually saw Liverpool playing and they had so many good players like uh, Barnes and Rush and Aldridge. And they have this uh, Swedish guy, Hussein. So it was kind of fun watching a Swedish guy playing. And, um, well, that was basically why i been rooting for the team. They played nice football, the passing game, and scored a lot of goals. And I, I always loved uh, a team that scores a lot of goals and win titles. So I guess I was a little bit easy to win over as a supporter in the beginning. But over the years, my... My love for the club has uh, only grown stronger and stronger. So I, I guess we can say that me and Matthias, we are, we're glory hunters, basically. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can say that. In the old days. Yeah. Um, so what's it like supporting Liverpool from Sweden today for you guys? Yeah, I mean, I can take it. I mean, uh, the fan base here in Sweden is massive, if you think about it. Even though, I mean, all English teams today have you know a strong fan base here in Sweden but there's something special about Sweden you know with Glenn Hussein that played for the club that you know he's always on uh, ads on the TV you know talking about win a trip to Liverpool with me so you know you always get that uh, in some way but you know when it comes to you know watching the games uh, you know time the timing is perfect most of the time and uh, yeah, so that's quite simple. If you hear people living in Malaysia having to wake up in the middle of the night, that's not a problem for us. So yeah, it's quite easy and quite quite nice with a strong fan base. Do you other guys agree that it's quite easy to support Liverpool from Sweden? Yeah, I mean, with the, with the internet these days and all the games on the television channels, it's, it's pretty straightforward for us. Well, we have... We have uh like in Sweden, Viasat is broadcasting really well also. You have it on via play or television, so it's really easy to access. And, uh, well, like the fan base, if you talk about the fan base in Sweden, there is generally lots of friends for everyone that root for Liverpool. And they are all, all, almost 
always uh, generally interested. Not like my friends that are rooting for City or Chelsea. They just look at the game in the weekend and that's it. No talk during the weeks. Like with my Liverpool friends, they could dwell the weekend game for days, even if we won or lost. I, I always imagine that it's even more easy to support Liverpool from Sweden than it is when you live in England, except from if you live in Liverpool, obviously. Because here, the 3 o'clock games on Saturday is broadcast like everyone else. And, I mean, it's a two-hour flight to Liverpool if you want to watch a home game. And that's probably uh, the same same time it takes to travel to Liverpool if you live in you know, some other city in England uh, on average. So, supporting Liverpool from Sweden is probably... You know, a lot like England actually. It's not not the not the same as if you support him from South Africa or Canada or something else. It's a it's quite enjoyable and quite easy actually. We we, we don't have it very hard here in Sweden. Logistically speaking, it, it is very easy to support Liverpool. Yeah, um, very. very. Re- results wise, over the past twenty odd years or so, it's been a little bit different story. How does Liverpool affect your life? Do you plan your life around it, or do you <laughs> let families and other stuff come first? Uh, well, I, I can take that first. Yeah, yeah, I actually do because uh, if there is a game on Saturday and I don't have an, a floorball game, I cancel everything else to see the game, and I don't like to watch it uh, down at the pubs or restaurants because I want to enjoy the football. And uh, at the restaurants uh, or pubs down in the city, it's generally quite noisy. Yeah, I'm the same actually. I don't uh, like watching the games from the pub at all. Usually, because you, you know, I, I want to hear what the commentator says, even if I don't necessarily agree with what they say. But I, you know, I I want to focus on the football and not, you know, I'm not one of those people who go to football to drink a beer <laughs> and. Uh, Football is just something that comes with it. Um, more the other way around, actually. Um, <laughs> do, do you, guy Eric or Anderson, want to say something? Yeah, how it affects my life. I mean, Liverpool is a massive part of my life, especially if you think about how this season, you know, took shape. And you lived, you know, from game to game. You, it was the only thing you could think about during the weeks, especially when it was on that run and you know, top of the table. And being so close to, you know, glory. And, you know, for me it was, you know, a lot of the time that was the only thing on my mind, you know, how will we line up for next game, this, that and the other. And, I mean, when I watch the game, it's me and my dad uh, who live at home with my mom and my little brother. And, you know, usually when Liverpool play, uh, you know, they have to be outside or they prefer to be outside the house uh, because, you know, we get quite noisy and know quite aggravated most of the time well unless this season which was quite fantastic to be a supporter of Liverpool so yeah yeah I have to say I'm, I'm like you guys I either watch the game alone or I go home to a friend's house where we are two or three Liverpool supporters who watch the game I find it easier if I have someone to talk to during the games because otherwise I get really really nervous and I'm sitting here shouting at the TV and waking up the children if it's a night game uh, but I mean I, I used to rearrange to to make the, my life fit into Liverpool's games more in the past when I didn't have my family. Uh, I remember one time I um, 
I rearranged a school trip when I worked as a teacher so I could watch the, uh, the uh, Istanbul final. We, we were meant to be away that day and come home the day after, but we, we uh, rearranged it so, we, so I, could, I could watch the game. Okay, well, that's... Uh... And, and I have to add, right now, I have dumped my family in the caravan out in the deepest, <laughs> darkest Swedish woods to go, to go home and uh, do this podcast. <laughs> dedication. Yeah, that's dedication. <laughs> okay. So, do you want to talk about the football now? Last season, it was obviously a very good season for Liverpool, but how big were your expectations before the season? I mean, um, you've been let down so many times over the past, all through the 90s and the noughties, you've been let down. You always thought for every season coming, this this is the year we can really challenge, but we always fell away at some, at some point in the season. So... Um, I really didn't have any expectations, so I, I tried really hard to, to manage my expectations because uh, I didn't want to get let down again. Whenever every, everybody else was started talking about the, the title, we had a shot at winning the title. I was always like talking it down, and it, it was a way to protect myself from the from the disappointment if we were weren't going to do it. Eric, yeah, you know, before the season, the expectations I, I had was well quite low. You sort of looked at Tottenham and you know the money they spent and all the quality, or seeming quality they brought in, uh, and you thought you know they're gonna finish above us. You, you never thought United gonna you know fall down like they did. Or you probably thought that okay they probably won't do what they did under Fergie with that team, but you couldn't predict that. And you know City. Chelsea and you know Arsenal always makes it well so you know I was you know if we clinched fourth on the last day I would be happy with that but as things progressed I mean it was a special special season and probably the fondest memory I have of Liverpool you know with the uh, you know the team spirit that was shown from you know day one from match day one Uh, so yeah you know my expectations was quite low but they grew and yeah, we almost made it. Yeah, my prediction before the season was that we that we would finish sixth, and that was just simply because I felt that there were five stronger teams than us in, before we started the season. We didn't have a very good transfer market that summer, and I mean, you, you didn't have very high hopes for Luis Alberto, uh, Iago Aspas, Victor Moses, and these players we brought in, and you know. There wasn't many signs that we would go from, you know, sixth or seventh to finishing in the top four out of nowhere. But uh, I, I always said during the season, uh, until like early March, basically, like if you offer me fourth, I'll take it straight away. Uh, and oh, just finishing in the top four was <laughs> a very uh, big target, even though it didn't look very unlikely to me. Until way, way after Christmas, basically. Matthias Carlsen, where where did your expectations lie before the season? Well, before the last season, I I didn't have uh, the expectation that we would be top three or something like that. Because we, if I looked at the starting eleven, it was uh, yeah, it was it was okay starting eleven. It was quite good, but uh, we didn't have anything on the bench. And if we ought to stay top four you need a, a bench to come on and, uh, and score goals and uh, make it easier for for the stars but then uh, r- really in the first game when um, 
I mean, you let's save the penalty. I thought, okay, could this be the season when we have some luck for the first time? And, uh, well, we had some lucks uh, in quite a few games. Well, like you said there, Robin, I wasn't in, until in March that I began to think that, uh, well, top four is... is uh, this is going to happen this year. People were talking about we're going to win the league, and I told them, no, 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 no way. City and Chelsea are big, big favourites to win the league. And that we finished second was a really, really good season for us. I basically started, I basically started to believe that we could win the league and just right before it went to hell, basically. <laughs> uh, I was, I'm usually never the you know, big optimist when it comes to... The, the results of my team but well um, so when during the season did you start to maybe have expectations or really hoping that we could win the league for me it uh, was you know against Arsenal you know before that I was like okay we had some luck we you know got some great results you know in the derby uh, and as well as you know Tottenham, Tottenham away uh, but, you know, when we did that to Arsenal, a team that was, you know, highly regarded in Europe at the time, you know, they had quite a successful season up until that point. Uh, and, you know, their defense was, you know, before the game, they talked about how this defense was, you know, superb, great goalie. And, you know, we just go, you know, went out and trashed them. You know, that was when I, you know, realized, you know, this is not a team that, you know, bases, you know, it's game on luck. They are a team that know what they're doing and, you know, they can steamroll any opponent, really. That was my experience, at least. So what was your best moment of the season for you guys? I'll tell you mine. It was actually just game one when Mignolet saved that penalty. It's, uh, there really was never a moment that lived up to that. It just There were so much emotions involved. It, I mean, it felt like we were going off to a great start to the season and when Anger just... Yeah, I, I, I don't even know what he was thinking, but when when, he, when the, the ref blow for a penalty, I was like, oh, so it's it's another season like this, where, where we draw at home against Stoke and end up like sixth or seventh because we, you know, can't beat the shitty teams. And when he saved the penalty, everything just changed and a season just went off the way it did. And um, so what was your best moments? Yeah, I have to agree with you there, Robin, about the, the penalty save against Stoke. I, I had the exact same thoughts as you did when when he when the ref gave that penalty. I thought, here we go again. Season, in season five we'll points go, behind yeah. Chelsea after two games or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. But uh, so so that's that moment is up there for me too, with the best moments of the season. But uh, the the one that made me the most happy. Uh, when I went the most mental, it was when Coutinho scored the third goal against City at home, uh, because uh, the game was slipping slipping away from us. Played great football in the first half, and we let the lead slip in a, just a matter of minutes in the second half. And basically, out of nowhere, the ball fell to Coutinho, and he struck it home past his heart. And me and my my two friends I was watching, we we, we went absolutely mental. Uh, a neighbor came over from 200 meters away and, and asked us if if Liverpool had scored. So that that was that was the best moment for me during the season. I don't like now when you mention it. I felt exactly the same way when that happened. We, we just def- 
I just got the feeling that you know, whoa, this is really our season. Like yeah, everything is going our way. But you know, <laughs> the way things ended, I no, I, I don't really like to think about that moment very much uh, yeah. today. But uh, you know, Eric, you haven't. Uh, yeah, mine uh, is not you know one of the big games. Uh, well, I enjoyed you know watching the cameraman zooming in on company hearing the cops screaming we're gonna win the league but my favorite game uh, of the season has to be Liverpool Fulham because there was a victory for of you know proper champions you know with the early Kulu own goal you know and it was just so much pain in that, that game for me and you know we equalized and then it slipped away again and you thought yeah okay here it you know it ends right here and you know Gerard coming up with you know you know, a trademark penalty in the 90th minute, you know, I couldn't believe it. It was, you know, it was, you know, you, prop, you proper clinch your fist and like, yes, you know, every time I see that goal since that day, I just, you know, I almost celebrate even though it's three months after, you know, it was a special moment, especially when you sort of hurt so much during that game. So, yeah, it was a special game. One yes. of many. Yeah, actually, I had a quite a few of those defying moments the last season, but uh, uh, one game that I really enjoyed and think that the team really took uh, some spirit from was the, the derby away when uh, Sturridge made a 3-3. Mm. Uh, I think that really helped the team during the season and uh, it was a strong comeback again. And, and also, of course, uh, I thought we were going to win the league when uh, Coutinho scored at City at home. Then I firmly believe we had a good chance of winning the league. But, uh, well, it wasn't to happen this year. So, do you want to leave last season behind us and look forward now? It was well, actually a wonderful season. Really. Yeah. yeah. It, it was a season... The, the nicest thing about the entire season was that you looked forward to, to watching us play football. Yes. Because we play such, such good football. Yeah. So... Yeah. You, it, it, you were back to listen, like looking forward for a week to the next game. And, and you saw Flanagan scoring against Spurs away. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That was a great goal. So where does your expectations lie for this upcoming season? It's a, it's a difficult question to answer, I, I understand. But uh, does anyone want to start? Well, I, I think I'm kind of the same as I was before last season. I, I, I try really hard to, to manage my expectations because I, f- I feel so, so disappointed and so frustrated and I, I, get, I get grumpy and I get irrita- irritated and irritable for days after when, when I feel like we've been let down. So I'm trying really hard to, to manage my expectations. But, um, I mean... We, we have Brandon Rogers. I think we have done reasonably well so far in the transfer window. Uh, we closed the gap between the quality of the starting eleven and the bench. We have options to bring on from the bench right now. So I think we have to set the bar pretty high, at least the top four. I, I, want, I think and I hope that we will be in, in the discussion for the title around April or so. But... Uh, Top four is is a minimum for me. Okay, Eric. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I expect at least top four, or maybe not at least. You know, now it's all about bringing consistency back to the club. You know, getting 
fourth or third or wherever it is, you know, year after year. Uh, because, you know, people say we have to do one better than last season, but I think, you know, you have to be realistic about it. You, you look how, you know, City spend, how will Chelsea spend, and you see, you know, if they don't win the league, it's a disaster. You know, if we don't win it next year, it's perfectly fine in my book, even though, you know, I would love it, but I can't see it happening. So, you know, it's all about bringing consistency back, and, you know, I would be happy with a fourth spot right now, you know, competition going to be really tough next year, in my opinion. Uh, Matthias, expectations and demands of this upcoming season. Where yeah, are you? yeah, I, I can say that uh, we are in a much better position than last year. But I think, uh, like you other guys have told here, um, we can't expect us to go one bet- better because you look at City and you look at uh, Chelsea, and they are strengthening their true their troops uh, and getting better also and. Well, we made quite an impact last year, but I'll I'll be quite happy if we finish top fourth again, and I think we should, with the team we have and uh, with Rodgers, who I'm thinking is uh, developing the young guns even more. It looked like to look at Jordan Ibe yesterday. Uh, if he can have a sterling breakthrough this year, uh, we will have a new youngster for the next five ten years that will be tremendous for us. So. Well, top four is uh, realistically what we should aim for. And uh, as Eric said, consistency. That's the key. My take on this is... No, I want to say I expect us to get top four, but it's really hard when you... you see, I, I think Chelsea has done a great window uh, this summer. Manchester City is always strong. I like what Arsenal have done. And it looks like they're going to spend quite heavily uh, the rest of the summer too. Um then it's us uh, who have lost our best player and I mean regardless of who we can bring in we can't really replace what we lost in Luis Suarez Uh, and I expect Tottenham to be much better than last season although I don't uh, expect them to finish above us Uh, I don't but uh, they're certainly going to be better than last season with a better manager and uh, with, with all the signings they made last season have settled in, have settled in much better now and um, well Manchester United were held back pretty heavily by David Moyes last season and they have a much more respected manager now and they spent some big money and I, I, I really don't expect them to be as bad as last season so it's uh, I, I, I want to say uh, that we will finish top four but uh, uh I, I can't really expect it from this team. I, I think it's perfectly understandable if we do drop out of the top four with... Yeah. Uh, if you, if we think about losing Luis Suarez. And uh, first of all, does anyone disagree with me about how strong the other team looks? Well, I think something that we, we forget in the, in the process is the intangibles, or how I should put it, like you, the manager... The, the influence he has, the belief the player has, has gotten from last season, the confidence they've gained from last season, the belief from the supporters. We have a lot of things that will add, on, add up and, and take us another level. I, I really do believe that. It's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really, really hard. Mm. Uh, but you mentioned United there, Robin, and I think they have, I think they have bigger issues than just David Moyes. Just a side note there. 
yeah, I, I don't think they will compete for the title uh, or anything, but uh, I just think them and Tottenham will be stronger than last season, and regardless of who we bring in, bring in I doubt that we will be able to replace what we have lost in Luis Suarez. Uh, Matthias, you want to add, add something? Yeah, I actually had a little conversation with Eric here on Twitter yesterday, and he wrote something that is something to think about and that's always like we are undervaluing our own players uh, we see okay we lost Suarez but what about these players like Sterling and Henderson and Allen and so on Sturridge they could be potential real top class players this year so if if it's really easy for us to see okay Chelsea bought Diego Costa and we have uh, Daniel Sturridge yeah he scored over 20 goals last year and he probably will be even better this year. So I think we underrate our own players quite quite a lot. You know, we definitely do. At least some players get heavily underrated. But one point I also wanted to bring up was, you know, if we miss out on top four next, next season, you know, touch wood, it won't happen. But, you know, uh, something that has disappeared this season, at least, is, you know, the Rodgers out guys. You know, would it be fair to call for, you know, Rogers said, if we miss out on top four next season? No, that, that's what I was uh, saying when I said it's it's understandable if yeah. we drop out of top four this season. With, I mean, there's six really strong teams that are competing for four spots. And and we are the only ones so far in this window that seem to have lost more quality than we have added. Uh, it, it certainly depends on what happens in the rest of the transfer window, but right now I think it's I mean, it's not good, obviously, but I don't think it's warranted to call for major changes if oh. we uh, drop out of the top four, depending on who we, uh, how it happens, obviously. Yeah, but I mean, uh, if we score 40 less goals on last season and concede as many, then obviously it's something, yeah, some, something isn't acceptable then, but, um, well... That's my take on it. Um, yeah, just, just to to um, elaborate on your point there uh, about losing 40 goals and conceding as much. Um, as you say, we, we can't replace Suarez. He's a unique player. But there are ways we can offset uh, the lost goals. And uh, one of them is to concede less. I mean, if we... If we you I think you I've, said that then, though. Yeah, but I thought we, 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 we made so many individual mistakes that led to, to goals last year. So, I mean, the law of average say that you can't keep on making as many individual mistakes as we did last season. So, I, I expect us maybe to score 20 less goals, but I, I certainly expect us to, to concede way less as well. Yeah. If, if we stay on our defense, uh, well, we, we can go to the transfer window first, but the, how happy are you about our current defensive group uh, with a goalkeeper and the back four uh, how much improvements do you want how many players in Eric yeah. yeah I I would look at you know that as our weakest link you know uh, and you know that also translates into midfield the lack of a good defensive midfielder but you know if there's one area we should spend big money on it's the defense in my opinion you know you can't undervalue that in a, you know, in a winning, in a winning team. You know, I think you know both fullbacks 
you know, none of them really are good enough. Yeah, you know, they, they have their games and, you know, they, you know, Flanagan plays with a lot of heart and that, but, you know, there are so many mistakes, you know, you look at the Crystal Palace, you know, a Crystal Palace game and you see, you know, Johnson conceding three goals from his side together with Skirtle, you know, for me, it's not good enough and I think we probably should have sold some players when we got the chance to do it, but we can't and you know they are sitting on high wages and are quite tough to get rid of and you Who know you want to get rid of you know Johnson is you know first player out the door for me and uh, you know and you right back uh, and you know Skirtle I'm not a massive fan although you know he had a great you know great he had a good uh, season you know from that United game and onwards although you know he made some some errors which you know you can expect uh, but I still would look to bring in higher quality on that side I would also like a defensive midfielder you know you know you don't have to play a defensive midfielder every game but it's good to have you know you know someone like Mascherano you know everyone has seen his importance to the Argentina side this World Cup and you know you can't undervalue that you know you don't have to play with a defensive midfielder every game but you know some games it can really really help you you draw comparisons to, to Mascherano there, Eric. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I, as I'm a little bit older than you, yeah. I would love us if we, if you could get the Steve McMahon type player in the midfield. Yeah. That was re- re- that would really serve as well, uh, all over the pitch. Really, I, I can't give you any names, but uh, uh, this Emre Chan or whatever, however his name is pronounced, yeah. to me is Emre Double A. It's Chan. Okay, Chan. Uh, well, he's an unknown entity, f- I think, for for many of us. But he he comes highly regarded from Germany, so maybe he he, he can be a part of the solution. In the yeah, region. definitely, definitely. I like that signing a lot. Do you guys have any names you wanna throw up in the air for defensive targets for the rest of the summer? I mean, well, I uh, actually heard. Uh, I, I heard. I read something interesting. Uh, Dortmund signed a new central defender, and I. I'm guessing that uh, Subotic only has two years left on his uh, contract, I guess. Uh, yeah. should, should be a really good signing for us. So Nevan Subotic. Uh, yeah. I don't know uh, very much about him. I don't know if he's a realistic target or not, but uh, that's obviously a name I, I'd be happy with too, I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, did you yes. have any left-backs or right-backs you want to add? I mean, it, it doesn't look like we're looking for a right-back anyway, so it's, it's probably unnecessary to talk about. But Do you think he's, he's, uh, Rodgers is looking at uh, switching Flanagan to the right side if he can get the left-back in to take some pressure off Johnson? Uh, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think uh, John Flanagan is considered a squad player who can play both right and left side. I, I don't think Rodgers will put the expectations on him to go in and be a starter for us at the Champions League level next season uh, I, I just can't see it um, but but I'm happy to keep him as a squad player if I can throw in a name that you know rumor has it that we even had a deal agreed you know only rumors but you know that we had a deal in place to bring Javi Martinez from uh, Bayern Munich who probably fallen out of favor uh, with Pep you know, he would be, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, that's a marquee signing for, you know, probably 40 million plus, but he would, uh, you know, solve, you know, 
two issues in you know one signing. First of all, he could play center back. That is, you know, he's played center back a lot, both at Bayern and you know in the Spanish national team. And you know, he also could be you know a long term uh, replacement for Gerard in the midfield. You know, because you know he's natural uh, defensive midfielder. You know, that's a name that I you know would love more than any other player really to bring in. But you know, yeah. Is he, a, is he really a realistic target, though? Yeah, I uh, think this, you know, I, you know, yeah, you know, I think if we come in with, you know, big money, which, you know, seemingly we maybe don't want to spend, you know, 40 million plus on a defender, I think we should have a realistic chance of getting him. Well, I think part of the uh, problem is that, at least among the fans, and at least on, on Twitter, is that... I think we look for players in the wrong places. We look for these ready-made Martinez's, Subotic, all these players. I, I, I think there's, there's a lot of, I wouldn't say hate, hatred towards Lovren, but he's, he's not considered a, a quality signing. But uh, I, I actually like uh, Lovren a lot, and I think he could, uh, he, he could become uh, the leader that we need back in the defense. I, I rate him as a player, so I hope, I hope we can get in at the reasonable price because that's a sticking point to a lot of fans the, the, I, pri- the price tag yeah I, I don't really, really like the price tag on him either but uh, uh, I do like him as a player uh, my only worry really is that we are buying him as a left sided centre back to play him alongside of Skirtle and not as a right sided centre back to play him alongside of Sacco uh, if that's the case then I'm really really disappointed because uh, I consider Mamadou Sakho as our best centre-back by far, and he has, has the potential to be one of the best centre-backs in, in the world, and uh, that's who we should build our defence around, in my opinion, no doubt. Yeah, I but agree uh, with you. Yeah, Lovren is he's right-footed, isn't he? Yeah, he's played, he he's played a lot, lot of games at the, the right central defender. Uh, he so. played the uh, left central defender for Southampton. Uh, yeah. I I think he played on the right side in Lyon, um, and I think he played on the left in Croatia in, in the World Cup. I'm not sure, but uh, he's considered a centre back who can play on both sides, but. Uh, Given how Skirtle was uh, Roger's first choice all last season, and Saka was sort of in and out of the lineup, I, uh, I I'm, I'm pretty worried that yeah. we're, we're looking for a partner for Skirtle more than a partner for Saka, and uh, that would be a huge waste in my opinion. I, yeah. I, I, I would be willing to offload uh, Skirtle this summer if we, if we could. I, I don't rate him very highly at all, actually. Um, it's weird but, how he's sort of come back into favor for just again you know after that I think it was Oldham in the FA Cup when we got knocked out and he you know he puts him in his place you know Rodgers told you know he said you know someone that couldn't score in you know the conference uh, you know looked like Drogba today and you know since then Skirted was you know you know considered just someone that sat on the bench but you know he's sort of come back and Rodgers maybe see something in him again you know which is weird when you're considering him that lowly for just, you know, a year ago. If we... I mean, what you said, it, it's true, it's weird, but I, I, can, I guess we can all agree on that our confidence is very high on Rodgers, but yes. how high is our confidence in him when it comes to building a back four, a defense? Rather low. 
I can agree because it's like we we said here earlier. He's looking for, like you said there, he's looking for a defender to partner Skirtle, but he should really be looking for a defender to partner Sacco. And uh, if we talk about the other sides of the defense, the left back and right back, we really need a, a left back because we can't play Enrique there all season. So we really need a better one there. But on the plus side, when we look at Johnson, he was uh, horrible. He was like shit the uh, the last yeah. season. And uh, I was at the Newcastle game and it was like madness to look at him. But uh, this year, he's on his uh, last year on the contract. And well, either way, he plays for a new contract and plays a really, really good season. Or he's shit and will be off to the bench and out in the dark after the season. But I think he can be massive this season because uh, he doesn't have the pressure on. And he, he can choose either way. And uh, I hope he chooses to be massive this season. Yeah. Uh, is every, have, have everyone said what they like to say about the defense? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Okay, uh, how... Um, how happy are you about the transfer window in general? And I, I'm just talking about the players we've signed so far. It's uh, obviously four players who are confirmed transfers. It's Ricky Lambert, Adam Lallana, Emre Can and Lazar Markovic. How, uh, how pleased are you so far? Yeah, uh, I can Eric? start off, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I think you look at the player Lallana is uh, to begin with. And, you know, all the better players in his position, uh, you know, for the money we spent... You know, probably, in my opinion, there are plenty. But at the same time, for me, it's a trophy for Rodgers, pretty much. You know, Lalana is Rodgers' trophy in a way. It's something that he sort of worked for. And, you know, he, when he has a say in transfers, you know, this is only speculations. But, you know, it really seems like it's a play that Rodgers really wanted. And, you know, it's fair play if he wanted him. And, you know, you wouldn't say that Rodgers haven't deserved to have a player, you know, that he really looks forward to working with. So, and you know, he's not a poor player by any stretch. I mean, he's got good numbers at Southampton. And, you know, you know, I've I liked him when I've seen him. So I'm, you know, quite happy with him. You know, Rodgers has deserved him after the season he brought us. Um, should I just move on and talk about every signing? And then... Yeah, do that. Yeah, okay. Uh, Lambert is a genius signing, in my opinion. You know, for four million, uh, he's very very technical you know he got great technical ability it's something that you know you may underrate but you look at this you know passing and you know his quick feet around the box it's you know it's a brilliant signing for four million and you know yes it's old but the thing is when you sign an old player you know sometimes motivation can be an issue you know people say why didn't we bring someone like Diego Melito in for experience or something like that Um, but you know uh, he maybe couldn't motivate himself to play for Liverpool but you know if someone's going to be motivated to play for us this season it's going to be Lambert you know he's going to enjoy and you know give 110% you know every minute you know even if he gets subbed in you know last 10 minutes and we're down 3-0 so you know for me uh, that's a brilliant signing then to move on to the two youngsters uh, you know it's top European talent we brought in and you know it really seems like those signings are you know what when FSG came in, there was all this talk about, you know, buy sheep and, you know, develop. And, you know, those two fits the mold perfectly. Emre Can, 
uh, is in the mold of being a you know that complete midfielder box to box with you know great defensive mind uh, and you know very quick feet and uh, great technical ability and you know is he ready to you know make an impact this season I think he is you know probably not as big an impact as Markovic is going to have in my opinion but still you know a signing that I'm very very happy with and you know he also the perfect versatility man you know can play uh, left back, defensive midfield, you know, normal being sort of an engine in the midfield as well as being sort of a winger in some cases. So, you know, there's a great sign- signings in many ways and, you know, one that will only get better. Uh, and then to the one that I'm most excited about, which has to be um, which has to be Markovic, who's you know, when you look at top uh, players under the age of 21 you know I think we have two of the world's best at the club right now in Sterling and Markovic and them them two to develop together learn of each other learn of you know other players at the club you know such as you know Coutinho and Sturridge you know who's still young but they still got a bit more experience is you know brilliant and I mean and people talk you know in a range of maybe three to four years Markovic and that Markovic is going to be you know a big player I think he can definitely bring in uh, you know or add a lot to the team a lot to the play and you know he's lightning quick he got that you know massive float he doesn't run on the pitch he floats and you know a very very special talent and someone I'm very very happy to spend the money on as well so you know that's my quick take on all the names brought in thus far Matthias Anderson how, how pleased are you about our in window so far? Yeah, well, I, I said um, before that I, I've, I've never watched Charm play. I watched the bits of him when, he, when the Leverkusen played uh, United in the Champions League. And uh, I think he did really well from what I saw there. But uh, Markovic, I have, I've seen four minutes on YouTube, so I can't really say. But if you, if you believe what you read from people who know, who have seen him a lot... And he's uh, highly rated. Yeah, he's really everyone. highly yeah. rated. I mean, he's uh, he's touted to become world class player if he can develop his his mental side. It seems uh, the Lambert signing I just I love because uh, a boyhood Liverpool fan to be able it's to a good play story. for Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great story. I said on Twitter a few months ago that they could make it into a movie. I go I go watch it anyway. Uh, Lalana, I think, I think he's he's a good player. I, I don't like to to discuss the transfer fee before he's even kicked the ball. I mean, we, we've done that so often in the past uh, with Henderson, uh, etc. And, and um, he, he's a character player. He's a he's a good player. Uh, he can play in a lot of positions. Uh, he he will contribute goals. Uh, he will contribute to the defensive side of the game. Uh, he was a captain at at Southampton, so uh, I think he'll be a, a leader for us, given some time. So um, I think we've done reasonably well so far in the window, and I, th- I often remind a lot of people that there's still a lot, a lot of time to go in the window. So there's a lot of business left to do for us going okay. going forward. Uh, Matthias Carlsen, how pleased are you with your four signings? Yeah, uh, I'll do like Eric did here and uh, check them one by one. 
Uh, and I'll start with uh, Emre Chan, and I think uh, he has the uh, really good potential to be a solid defensive midfielder, and uh, the versatility that he can play in the defense also is good to have, and he's really young talent, so I think for the price we, we paid for him, he can be a really good player for us, and even if he don't turn out uh, the way we like, we we could sell him for basically the same price so I think it's a really good transfer for us uh, Ricky Lambert is a success uh, all the way around because like Eric said he, he will work his socks off every game every minute he will have on the pitch he will work as uh, hard as uh, anyone and for 4 million pounds uh, to buy home the Liverpool lad uh, I think it's a great signing and he, people seems to underrate his uh, goal scoring and assist ratio like he's been like double figures the last two seasons I guess and uh, he can all, not only score he can set up goals so I think it's a great signing uh, the Lalana signing uh, well that's the one I'm most uh, having the most trouble with because I think uh, is he really that good that people want him to be but I, I can't say how how he will fit in in our system. But uh, Rodgers obviously think he will be uh, a key member of the squad because otherwise he wouldn't have paid the, the fee that he did. I think we have a better players for his position. And that's where Markovic come in to play. He's only 20 years old and he's lightning quick. He, he has this... Like the ball glued to his feet when he's running. And if you look at it in the front four, we could have... Like uh, Starridge, Coutinho, Sterling, and and, and uh, Markovic, uh, and where is Lalana going to play? Uh, I think those four running at Per Mertesacker it will make him look <laughs> like he's running in bullet time, uh, you know. So I, th- I think uh, Markovic is a, by far the best signing we've done, and for the price we paid, he can be a massive player this season already. And that's my take on the four that we have signed so far. Yeah, um, my take on this is pretty uh, pretty simple. Uh, Lasan Markovic is a very good signing. Um, just a, just an overall huge talent that uh, I think is going to fit in very well. Uh, Emery Chan, very good also. Uh, and Ricky Lambert, yeah, I, I don't mind him as a backup. Um, uh, the only one I don't really like is Adam Lallana. Uh, it's um, uh, like you said, Matthias. We have Coutinho, Sterling, and Markovic. Now I, I wouldn't put any one of, of those three on the bench uh, to play uh, Lallana when when Markovic, Coutinho, and Sterling have the huge potential that they have. Uh, uh, I, I don't really mind Adam Lallana's squad player because I I think he'll fit very well into uh, Rodriguez. Uh, philosophy but uh, well it's about uh, I I wouldn't mind paying like 10 million pounds for him as a squad player because you know that's what he'll be in my opinion I I don't really see a spot for him Uh, we're gonna play about 50 games obviously but uh, I, I wouldn't pay that much money for someone who I don't think We'll break our lineup today, and our transfer window isn't even done yet. So um, uh, that's the only one I didn't really like. Um, but I, I, I very much disagree with the fact that 
a lot of people seem to think that these are players we could have gotten without Champions League football anyway. Uh, with Lothar Markovic, I mean, don't even get me started. Uh, Emery Schaan is a young German player who basically had a set transfer for Bayern Munich last, uh, next season coming up. Uh, and it takes quite a lot for a young German player to turn down an almost certain transfer to Bayern Munich in the future. Uh, and I don't think we can pull that off without Champions League football. Uh, and Lalana, I, I think Lalana would have liked to come to Liverpool even without Champions League, but I don't think we have the resources to acquire him uh, uh, without Champions League. And I mean, I, I don't think we throw up that kind of transfer fee for a player if we don't have the Champions League football. Regardless if I like the transfer fee or not, I think he is re- is a result of the transfer of the Champions League football. Um, yeah, so that's my my take on Adam Lallana. And even though I don't really like the signing, I I applaud the the willingness to get our prime target, which it looked like he was, and. Uh, you know, and get that, that deal done early in the window. That's uh, that's a good sign, in my opinion. You know, Robin, that uh, this this thing is recorded and will be saved for for the for the for the afterworld, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. So you know, um, if Lalana turns out to be a huge part of our season, I'll, I will never let you hear the end of it. You know that, right? Yeah. Oh, whatever. <laughs> well, I, I, I just get. I, I'm not trying to be negative or positive I'm just trying to be honest about how I feel about uh, yeah he, he is kind him. of a, an unknown quantity uh, it's where a, will he fit in but on, on the on the other hand how how is Rodgers thinking about setting us up this yeah, season I mean, maybe with no stars last season I felt that he, he fit the, the team and the the style the, the way we played around Suarez I think maybe yeah, we'll see a, we'll, we'll well. see us yeah of course, but maybe we see us set up and approach games a little bit differently this yeah, season. Maybe Lana is who he sees as a Suarez replacement, and he sees Lana as more of a number ten than than a than a striker who who's going to work around storage like uh, Suarez did. He, yeah, he's just going to replace Suarez and with a player who plays in a more deep position. I I don't know, but. Uh, <laughs> Eric, did you want to say something? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Sterling playing as a striker this season. You know, to, if we go with the diamond or you know two up front in any shape, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Sterling pairing up with Sturridge up front. You know, he doesn't have the you know aerial ability, but uh, you know, he's still very strong, and you know, his finishing you know has improved at least. You know, it's still not good enough to play as a lone striker, but definitely got the movement and you know the passing to play as a two up top and you know that would sort of put you know lesser the pressure on you know that sole number 10 spot you know that a lot of players occupy right now so I wouldn't be surprised with that at all well boys um, a fantastic footballer has departed from the club if he, if he is a legend or not that's up to you but he gave us all moments we will never forget and uh, now both good and bad yeah, the inevitable question that must be asked and must be answered, how do we replace him? How does someone replace Iago Aspas? 
<laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> very good. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> Our number nine has left us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. But uh, Luis Suarez, how how do we recoup from this? How how do we? I mean, give me the answers here. Uh, Eric, do you think... want to start? Yeah, oh, sorry. I mean, no, no, let Eric go first. Yeah, I mean, what I can say about him is, you know, it's the best player I've seen play for Liverpool. You know, I sort of come to terms with that. He's probably the best player I ever going to see play for us. You know, you never, I, I, you know, before I saw him, you know, you saw Messi and you saw Ronaldo, and you thought, you know, okay, they're elegant, and you know, you saw Ronaldinho, and you saw this place, but you know, he's he's something else. He's just that bit mental as well, you know, to all the you know uh, ability he has. He's just that bit mental, and you know, you know, there are no one like him uh, out there. You know, there are players with similar amount of goals. Uh, similar amount of assists even but you know there's only one Luis Suarez and I come to terms with that's probably the best player I'm ever going to see so you know replacing him you know you can't find a like for like you know that's just out the window and you know our only chance was probably Alexis Sanchez really yeah you know that, that was my feeling as well you know yeah. he could come in and you know do a proper job you know you see you know how he's performed in Barcelona you know, not even a consistent starter and you know Sanchez getting you know 17 odd goals you know from the wing you know that's mental and you know he would be perfect but you know can't think about that right now you know before this season you saw us you know when Soros was suspended at times you know we played some quite nice football but you know uh, this season Soros has you know not only gotten better and you know more confident in his ability but he's also became a bigger part of the team you know uh, played a bigger part you know in the build up play and everything like that so you know if we lost him before uh, it would probably have been you know not as hard if we lost him last summer you know it would you know, of course it would never given us all these goals but it wouldn't you wouldn't feel it like you feel it now in my opinion you know how hard it's going to be re- to replace you know I can't give you any names because you know there aren't any. You know, to bring in someone like Royce, you know that's been rumored to us, which you know I don't think we will pull off in a million years. You know, you know he would, you know he would be quality, and you know he would also bring you know some smiles to you know the faces of Liverpool fans. You know, he would be like our Özil, you know, someone that really you know pushed the spirits in the club and in the fan base but can't give you any other real names to replace him. Yeah, but we obviously we, we will bring in some sort of strike options, but you know it doesn't look like it will be someone who's like Luis Suarez, more like a more a real uh, a striker, actually, more like a storage-type player. What names comes into your heads? Uh, we've been rooted with uh, Wilfred Boney and Louis Cremi uh, the last few days. Um, would any of those names please you guys? Yeah, I think Boney is a is a player I'd be very happy with. Uh, Ramin, not so much. Oh, I hate him. I despise Ramin. I, I, I <laughs> Me too. I dis- he's utter shite in my mind. <laughs> oh, he is a greedy this- person. I uh, I I I hate uh, that player. I, Swedes are becoming agitated now. Yeah, uh, I don't like him at all. No, but Wilfred Bonny, he's a, uh, I mean, he scored like, what, 16 goals in the league for, yeah. for Swansea. Yeah, league goals, 25 so, I mean, overall. Um, yeah, um. strong player. I, th- I think uh, he would be a, a good player to get in uh, yeah, as he, a strike option. 
he has a pretty decent buyout clause as well as around 19 minutes is rumored and that would be a a fine price to pay for someone who scored 16 goals in a pretty pretty average side like Swansea and I, I, I'd be pleased with him too in uh, no some games we could play Boney and Sturridge up front and some games play, let uh, Sturridge play as an, a lone striker or you know we'll, we'll see how yeah. it works out but uh, overall I think I, I would be pleased with Rufa Boney but I, I do understand how some fans felt when we went from having Luis Suarez to getting Alexis Sanchez to you know, the next week being linked with Wilfred Boney and supposed to be happy about it. And I mean, but after everyone has cooled down and consider where we are really, and I, I, I think he would be a decent option. Matthias Carlsen, I know you haven't liked Boney earlier, but maybe we've convinced you now, but uh, it, what, what what types of names are uh, are you thinking about? Well, I have two scenarios: uh, one that I'm dreaming, and one that I'm realistic about. And uh, well, if we look at the realistic one, well, then uh, Bone is the realistic target. But I, I think he's uh, I don't ha- I don't want to call him shit, but uh, not too good. I think you do, Matthias. I think you do want to call him shit. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. But uh, I actually would prefer us to change the system more to benefit our other players and uh, perhaps strengthen our offensive midfielders instead uh, instead of uh, throwing away like 20 million pounds on Boni and he's on the bench not playing regularly, getting fatter and fatter on cheeseburgers and whatever he's eating. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I don't rate him at all and I, I think we should shouldn't pay 20 million for him uh, we should invest the money in defense and midfield instead so we could uh, be lightning quick on counterattacks. Yeah. So, do you want to just keep Dirge and don't buy another striker at all well I actually think that uh, we have another striker uh, and uh, that's Ricky Lambert and I think he could play one out of four games and I would prefer us to play with uh, 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 Starish as a lone striker in both systems and he would have like uh, Sterling, Coutinho, Markovic, Lalan on the wings or behind him uh, and strength on the midfield and wings instead with more attacking powers from those positions. But the, the, the talk has been that Rodgers wants four strikers though. Yeah, and that's Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. Uh... I would actually be quite pleased with the signing of Origi though for, uh, for next season season because I think he will only get better in in France he's going back to Lyon or yeah Lille though Lille yeah I think think that's a great signing for the future though yeah but we need players now you have to remember you know Sturridge last season although he wasn't fit throughout the whole season no it was pretty much you know first time he was fit for you know extended period of time you know he's made out of glass you know you know as I know him before is Liverpool time pretty much uh, and you know if he breaks for you know a longer period like three months you know you rely on Ricky you know to go you know to you know Camp Nou or you know to go out in uh, the Champions League you know despite you know even though I like Ricky you know I definitely wouldn't rely on him to bring us that kind of quality you know so we need someone else yeah I don't really want to rely on Sturridge and Ricky either I 
basically because of uh, Danny's, uh, you know, uh, history of getting a few injuries a season, uh, and I, I don't think he'll be fit for 50 plus games that we are looking to play this season. Um, yeah, we need one more striker, and um, I, I would be pleased with Boney now, but it would obviously be awesome if some dominoes would start to fall later in the window and uh, open up a move for someone uh, better uh, but uh, overall I would be pleased with Boney to replace Suarez right now uh, and when you lose Luis Suarez you just you have to change your plan It's uh, you can't just okay Suarez in this guy Suarez out this guy in it, Suarez is too big of a piece just make that move we you know, we have to change our plan completely, basically. Um, and by the sounds of it, maybe we already have the so-called replacement for Suarez in, in Markovic, because he seems to be that uh, unpredictable players, uh, quick. Uh, and as you say, Matthias, the, the ball is glued to his feet, can move really fast with it and, and make the unexpected happen. So maybe that's the closest thing we can come to, yeah. a like-for-like replacement for Suarez. Uh, and I, I have to think that... Suarez leaving has been known for so long within the club, so um, I think that they've been working on a on a new blueprint for this season. Well, not a new, but uh, tampered with it, tinkled with it. I said before, I think maybe we can see a bit of a different Liverpool this season, still with a good football, and, and but we'll, we'll set up in a bit in a different way to an extent. Matthias, you want to say yeah. something? <coughs> yeah. Uh, I think this the main thing is that, uh, like Matthias uh, Anderson said here, is that Rodgers probably have known for quite some time now that Louis was leaving. And I think that he has brought in players for a new kind of system and a new kind of style of playing. And, uh, well, I agree with you. We need another striker because, uh, to be honest, Boreen looked horrible yesterday and we could offload him for about six million or something just to get rid of him. Uh, so we need another striker, but I preferred that we strengthen with another pacey player behind, like uh, Anton Griezmann, for example, some, someone like that, that could also score, score about 10-plus goals from behind. Yeah, uh, Eric? Uh, you know, Matthias Anderson said, you know, that we had the replacement in Markovic, but you can't, you can't put that on Markovic either. You know that you know, best the best player, you know, in modern time for Liverpool, you know, and you know, put that on a what is no, it? I, I, meant more, so. I meant more in the in the in the, the in way the future, they played. Sure. Yeah, and the way they played, it is he's unpredictable. Not that he's going to come in and, and replace the thirty no. goals yeah, okay. score, yeah. but. You know, you can't expect that from you know, no, no, that would, many that players in the world, you know. So no. we need more to, you know, ease the pressure of, you know, the entire squad pretty much. It doesn't, it doesn't sound fun to say Soares has to be replaced by like three, four different players in different positions. Because it sounds like Tottenham replacing Bale last summer and uh, failing tremendously. But it's, in my opinion, Liverpool are sort of forced into that right now they they can't attract the player of Suarez level to replace him and they're, they're basically forced to try to do what Tottenham did last year but we just have to do it more successfully if we want to keep building on the season we had last year you know I'm Boney would be one piece but I 
I, I do I, I am hoping for a bigger signing later in the window, but I don't expect one, but I hope we could pull one off and I I, I have no doubts that the the owners would be willing to, you know, throw up another big fee if we can get that player in the late on in the window. I think they know what losing stars means and uh, that we really can't replace him right now with a big star, but maybe late in the window if some dominoes start to fall and a big player in, you know, if Anton Greisman uh, is bought to Paris Saint-Germain, maybe they want to offload Pastore or Lucas Moura or someone. Um, yeah, that, that's sort of what I'm hoping for for the rest of the window. Uh, what, what, what are your expectations for the rest of the window? We, we can start with Eric. You know, my expectations is that you know mm. we will bring. Or what would you want to happen, basically? Yeah, if I, if you ask me what I want, I want a new left back and a new centre back. That's you know first piece to you know maybe concede ten or fifteen less at least next season. Then we have to work on the system as well. And then you know, I would also like a proper big name goal scorer on top of that. You know. Uh, if that is Royce or if that is Anton Graceman or whoever it is, I that's who I would like. I wouldn't like you know to get Remy, Boney, and Origi. Those three, you know, I would uh, focus on defense for the rest of the window, uh, and maybe you know if opportunity comes, bring in that big name to score us the goals. That would be my aim right now, at least. Matthias Anderson. Yeah, I'd just like to go back to to um, the point you made. Uh, I can't remember which one of you, but that we had to re- replace Suarez with a a big name player. If you go back to when when Torres lost uh, left, we didn't really replace him with with a. I mean, he was he was looked at as world class at the time, even though his his curve was dipping. We didn't replace him with a another world class strike. We replaced him with Luis Suarez who was a very good player and who grew to become a world class player while at Liverpool. Yeah. So I, th- I think that that has to be what we expect the club to do this time as well. We can't I think it's unrealistic to think that we are going to get a, a big name, a huge name to come in because yeah, I, I, don't, uh... I, I, think, I think that Liverpool in the footballing world is among players and agents and, and so on is is looked at like a bit of a gamble still because this is the first year back in the Champions League for what's four or five years so I think we need to do this a couple three years to be able to attract these really really big names I think if we expect to, to get a Royce or get a Benzema or these guys I think a lot of fans are going to be seriously let down if I ask yeah. and defend myself, you know, it, we talk if a opportunity comes, like, you know, Alexis yeah. Sanchez, you know, that was an opportunistic, you know, signing we tried to make. And, you know, I mean, if a opportunity comes like that, you know, I think we should really take it. And that was what Robin said about, you know, Dominus starting falling. That yeah, was, I, I, I don't oh, okay, expect okay. a big signing. I just, you know, hoping for something to, some Dominus start to fall late in the window and someone could fall into our hands, but ask stands of now no we, we're pretty much forced to do what Tottenham did last season and trying to replace our Gareth Bale with a number of signings and improve the, improve the team overall more like, more so than just improving one, replacing one player basically um, well, I think an advantage we, we have uh, on Spurs is that we have a much much better manager 
than, yeah. the, than they do did back then. I mean, my faith in Rogers is unlimited, pretty much. Same. Uh, Matthias Carlsen, did you want to say something? Yeah, about the transfers and uh, uh, the team, the current team, because I, I think, uh, like Eric said, we definitely need a left back, and we definitely need a, a center right defender, in my opinion, not the left one, because uh, Sacco is uh, is so in the World Cup. He he is world class at center back. So it isn't him that we need to replace. It is a right sided one, uh, and I think well. Like uh, you've said, if opportunity knocks on the door, and I think it will, because you see Real Madrid, they are going to push on for James Rodriguez and what will happen to their strikers, like Benzema, and perhaps, you never know. But uh, the main thing is, I think our other players will score more goals if we have a more balanced team, like Sterling will only get better. Henderson will definitely score more goals. And uh, I think they will contribute more if we go back to the Suarez thing, who will replace him and his 30 goals. Well, no one will, but the other players will score more goals. But the main thing is to we need to get our defense strengthened. At, uh, that's the top priority. And for me, it's uh, left, left back and the right central defense. If we get in two really good defenders, then we will be more balanced and perhaps like uh, it was I think it was Eric that said it like 10-15 goals less and uh, that will be a huge advantage in those tight games like 2-1 games and 1-0 games well we're pretty much done with the podcast uh, unless you guys want to add something no. I know about the transfer window or anything else just want to take opportunity to thanks or thank eggs really for giving us this opportunity to take part in this. It's been great, and other international podcasts has been great as well. So, cheers, X. Yeah, yeah I, I second that. Me too, I can only agree. Really fun to do this. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 yeah, sorry, Robin. I would just like to, to send a, a thought to, to Ian Eyre. I think, I think he's done well <laughs> this window. He, he gets a lot of stick and a lot of ridicule from a lot of Liverpool fans, so I want to send a uh, big red rose to Ian Air. Not a Dunkin' Donut, then. Big red rose straight from my heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. This is our podcast signing off now. Maybe we'll, maybe you guys will hear from us again. I don't know, but thank you to the Amphil Index uh, to, for giving us this chance, and to Gex Tandon for giving us the chance, like they said. And well, maybe you'll hear from us again. Otherwise, bye. <laughs>